Hello out there, all of you singular dimension dwelling meat puppets. It is I, Justin Otto, and you are listening to Dharma Junkie. On this week's episode, I'm joined by my brother from another, basically, host of the Alchemical Mind podcast, Martin Ferretti. And when I say he's my brother from another mother, it's because he and I have so much in common, other than the fact that he doesn't cuss on his podcast, and I pretty much have the mouth of a sailor, as you all know. Now, this is probably my favorite episode that I've done yet, and it's a little all over the place, but it's pretty entertaining. Kind of like myself, I think. Yeah, that's weird. Anyway. If you don't have anything else to do today, listen to this podcast and maybe, uh, I don't know, go join in one of the protests or go fishing or do whatever it is that you want to do. And I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, but Dustin, I have so much that I have to do. And that's probably true. But you have to tackle those things, get those things out of the way and go enjoy your life. Jocko Willing says discipline equals freedom. And I can't agree with that more than one billion percent. Discipline does equal freedom because the alternative to not doing what you want to do is misery and who wants to be miserable not me not you not anyone I don't think I'm pretty sure nobody wants to be miserable they just don't know that they have any other choice anyway I'm rambling Uh, oh and be good to your kids too man because too many people aren't for those of us that can't have children to watch you either be an absent parent or just a shithead parent in general it makes us sad and pretty angry at times. Okay, deep breath. Anyway, without further ado, host of the Alchemical Mind podcast and my friend, Martin Ferretti. You might catch yourself sliding in and out of you might catch yourself sliding in and out of a Just relax and enjoy it. This is an experiment, this is an experiment in, mind in mind formation. Information. Information. Forming, forming, controlling, controlling, operating your, operating mind, your mind and your brain. We're using digital, We're using techniques, digital techniques to overload, to overload and scramble, and scramble, confuse, confuse, unfocus, unfocus your, mind. your mind. The natural state of the brain is chaos. Chaos, Chaos is beautiful. How you been, man? Uh, I've been good. I've been good. It's been uh, it's been it's been a good day. Good Monday. That's always good. It's better than uh, the alternative, right? Sure, sure. <laughs> look, there's no such thing as a bad day, you know. That's true. It's man. all it's in a, how you look at it. It's a perspective thing. You got it. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. I've, I've been listening to your podcast a little bit, man. And, uh, I know we have a very much in common. We both kind of follow the Buddhist path and kind of try to practice mindfulness. I, so I <laughs> wanted to talk to you about that. <laughs> I had this weird conversation with somebody about, uh, the more you practice mindfulness and the more you really like follow the eight pole and the eightfold path, it's almost like a course in sociopathology. <laughs> Mm. Or it can be viewed that way. I hear a lot of people like kind of view people that, you know, are really super mindful and try as it's almost like borderline sociopathology, but that's actually pretty fascinating that you mentioned that because my wife has called me a sociopath. Um, hmm. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is. It's something, it's something about the state of mind, right? Because for, I think the majority of the time, people are used to, uh, they have an expectation of how people are going to react to certain things, right? Right. And so when you don't react in the expected way, you end up coming off as a sociopath or right. as somebody that doesn't care. Uh, as somebody that uh, you know maybe has no no care for others, I don't know. So so yes, I, I guess sociopath is uh, is a good good word to use. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm okay with that. You know, it's uh, ultimately it's how you feel that you your outlook is right. Right. So I, I can understand why my wife or anybody else might have that idea of my reactions. But at the same time, like to me, a sociopath is, is somebody that would purposely go out and hurt somebody, right? right? And and there's no intention of that in me, right? I just have a very thorough way of, of looking at things and reacting to things. And it just doesn't fit in at a lot of times, I guess, with uh, with the expectation. And, and that's okay. Right. That's okay. Yeah, I, I've, I've had the uh, kind of the same experience. I've been called a cold and emotionless at times. It's, like, no, it's not that I don't, it's not that I don't have emotions. It's just that I'm really good. I try to be as good as I can. I'm obviously not perfect at it because who is, but sure, I try to course. be as, I try to analyze things before I just react. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's the big thing. And then, you know, with mindfulness, especially is just analyzing the situation before you react to it, giving yourself time to process. Cause so many people are just quick to jump. Yeah. And just that first gut instinct, raw emotion, just, ah, you know, before they even really consider all yeah. the factors involved. And, and you got to remember too, whenever you, any decision that you make, you'll never really have all the information you need to make the perfect decision, right? Oh, absolutely. And so like, yes, you can take a moment to stop and think about what you're going to say or, and how you're going to do this particular thing and how you don't. But ultimately, like there is no right way of doing it, no wrong way of doing it. It's just a matter of taking the the action to move forward, right? Exactly. Um, you know, the the thing is always the, there's no past, there's no future, right? You you always want to live in the present. That's kind of the the mindfulness state that you want to be in. Right. And and the reason for that is obviously you can't change your past. Right? And you can't predict the future. That's the future and you never can't comes. predict the future. But, but both of those things ultimately stem simply from that action that you take in the present moment. You see Absolutely. what I mean? Yeah. So it just, it's just branching off of that. So, you know, there's no point about worrying about what happened, what's going to happen. Just do the best that you can in the now. Right. And then the rest will follow. You know, it's, it's, it's a really tough attitude to have because people yeah. like to be in control. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Just, you got to just keep making that next right decision basically. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like we were just saying, living in the now and it is super hard for people to do because people are so, you know, caught up over what they perceive as like past transgressions and things of that. And, you know, they, they let really affect them on a deep Mm -hmm. visceral level for, you know, an indeterminate amount of time. Some people, it can be days. Some people, it can be weeks. Some people, it can, you know, things can affect them for their entire lives. And, it's interesting because, you know, the memory is not near 100% perfect. Like nobody oh, remember, nobody remembers things exactly the way they happen. So they kind of create yeah. these scenarios in their head 
that never really happened. And then they let them affect them for however long. And it's like, you're living in a reality that never even existed. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, w- I was thinking about that today, actually, in terms of like a, a mystical psychedelic experience, mm-hmm. because uh, it seems like there's, there's a lot of people that have similar experiences with certain substances, right. but I almost feel like a lot of that has to do more with the fact that there's a previous expectation of outcome and not so much that the experience is exactly the same, if that makes any sense. Right. So, right. you know, everyone, everyone's always thinks like, Oh, if I do DMT, I'm going to see machine elves. Well, right. do you know that? Cause you, you haven't done it. So that might not be true. Right. What if you never heard about machine elves? Would yeah. you still see machine elves? Right. Exactly. So I think, I think a lot of that is just a, a social conditioning in some way. And, and that's true of anything, man. Just even the, the topic we're just talking about mindfulness and, and people feeling some kind of guilt. Like, why, why do you have that guilt, right? I think a lot of that is just simply due to the fact that you're, you're conditioned to believe in certain things mm. in order for you to live a certain role within your society, like even just your family, right? Yeah. And, and that translates to all experiences. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. And I, I, I agree with that. Social conditioning is a huge factor in that. It, it's the, ide- the ideology that you were taught, you know, and mm-hmm. you don't know that something is, you know, when you're a blank slate, you don't know, quote unquote, right from wrong. You know what I mean? There is no right from wrong until you're guided into what is right and wrong. There's no, I don't think yeah. anybody has a, just a baseline morality. I mean, let's get down to brass tacks. We're all just animals. So, you know, without that conditioning, God knows what, you know, the world would be like. Yep. Yeah. And I think, you know, ultimately there would be some instinct, right? Uh, obviously it wouldn't be an ethical experiment to just throw a bunch of kids in an island, for example, right? right? Do like a Lord of the Flies and yeah. see what happens. <laughs> it would not be ethical, but I mean, it, it is pretty curious as to what the outcome would be, right? Would there be would it just simply be a matter of resolving the basic instinct and survival or would there be some tribal form that arises as a result of it? And, and I don't think we'll ever get that answer, right? That's, that's probably impossible to answer. That's a a good question. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't, what's the saying? No man is an island to himself, right? You, you can't make any decision without, being informed by your past in some ways. And, and I think part of the whole aspect of mindfulness is in some respects trying to get over some of that programming. And this is not, I, I, I hate using the word programming sometimes mm. because it comes off like, uh, you know, I like to use David Icke as an example of my podcast, right? <laughs> okay. It comes off as, you know, this, this major conspiracy where like there's some entity out to get people and uh, and that's not it at all. Like a lot of the a lot of the program is just it's just natural, right? It's the way we just evolve and wait, create wait, wait. these, these so, cultures. Wait. So you're telling me that there's not lizard people out to get everyone? <laughs> 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 Shit! I feel like I've been fucking living a lie. <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, there might be. I, I, mean, I don't hey, know. Knows? I've never I seen do, them. Yeah, I've I don't have the them. empirical data for that one. I just don't <laughs> I don't know if there's a god either, but I just that's don't true. know. I just don't that's know. That's true. I can't. De- I can neither confirm nor deny the existence of either. You can't. Exactly. So, so what do you do? Do you decide to believe it or do you decide not to? 
that's uh, that's subjective you know and i think i think it depends on the person i think it depends on all the the factors that that person has gone through throughout their life like you know nobody would be exactly who they are if they hadn't been through exactly what they've been through mm-hmm. the yeah. slightest little tweak to anything you know um, a phone call happening two minutes later or it, it, it can be the most minor thing in the world but if if things hadn't happened exactly the way they had you wouldn't be the exact person you are you may not be doing mm-hmm. this podcast we may not be having this conversation if things not played out in the exact manner that they did mm-hmm. so it's it's hard to say you know there can be with one slight variation you know one little blow of you know gust of wind that <laughs> didn't happen before everything can change and that's yeah the weird thing about reality is you know it, what it, i was listening to your your episode that you did with uh dj briggs Oh yes, the the last I think it was the last one, yeah, but yeah, that was really yeah. good, man. I, I enjoyed a lot of stuff about that one. Uh, one thing that really caught me was when you guys were talking about the it was the about the Matrix, obviously, because that was basically the point of the whole episode. But it was a uh, simulation versus simulacrum. Yeah, that's uh, it's an interesting idea, uh, and I, I, again, I still don't remember which one is which. But one is basically a a copy of an existing system. And the other one is like a reenactment of a system. A simulation is like a, it's a, an unsatisfactory imitation. Yes. You know, and a, a simulation is more like an, an actual imitation of a situation, you know, not. So, so I think, you know, especially in terms of like the matrix, I, I would say that the matrix was more of a simulation than a simulacrum because even mm-hmm. though it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily unsatisfactory. It just wasn't the, the quote unquote reality of what was happening. But here's the interesting thing about that is until you wake up from that, you don't right. know that that's not reality. So, I mean, it's the Correct. same with dreams. Your brain experiences it the same way, no matter what a hallucinogenic experience, a mystical experience, anything like that. It doesn't matter whether, you know, it, we'll use DMT as an example. A lot of people talk about, you know, this DMT dimension, you know, I've just had Dick Khan mm-hmm. on the show and we had a, a big conversation yeah. about that. Great and uh, thanks man. I appreciate it. But your brain doesn't know the difference. If it happens, it happens. You know what I'm saying? So who's to say what's real and what isn't, you know, if you experience it, whether you're opening some sort of chemical doorway into another dimension or whether you're just hallucinating some sort of archetypal bullshit, either way, it's real to you. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing, right? If, if you, if you follow along with this whole mindfulness thing where you live in the moment and nothing else exists, Right? Either it hasn't happened or hasn't come to be. Whether you're in a psychedelic state, having some kind of experience, or simply living your everyday existence, ultimately, by definition, they're exactly the same thing. Right? There's, there's virtually no difference, aside from the fact that some people may argue, like, this is a physical reality that I can touch, right. and if I'm having a hallucination, that's not true. And, and, you know, I, I had this conversation with my wife recently because uh, I'm trying to be a little more open with, with her about some of the experiences that I have mm-hmm. when I go into some of these states. And again, not necessarily psychedelics, but right. you know, I can get into some pretty deep states just through right, meditation. Meditation, well. yoga, things yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. And, so, uh, and so I was talking to her, like, how do you know that you just had a dream? Right? Because right. when you're in the dream, that's your reality. It's exactly. only once you wake up from your dream that you realize that you were dreaming. And, and the same thing could be of this. Like, how do you know that right now you're not simply living in a dream? 
Yeah. This is kind of where you get the whole Buddhist idea, the Hindu idea of the world is an illusion, right? And and that's true because you don't know. Because what if maybe time evolves differently in in this particular state of existence, right? And so it might last 80 years, uh, but in when you wake up from the stream, it's only been you know a couple of hours. You yeah. don't know. Exactly. Because you're, you you're in an altered state and you, you experience time in a different way. And, and when you're in a psychedelic state, that's, that's also true. I mean, I've had experiences where, you know, it was a 20, 30 minute thing. And mm. I swear to you, like I was in there for, you know, 12 <laughs> hours, 24 hours, two, three days. I was in years. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had that, but, but I have heard some really interesting ones where people live like entire lifetimes. Oh yeah, yeah. Did you, uh, you hear that? Uh, did you hear that? Uh, I think it was Ari Shafir had that experience where it was a uh, salvia, and he had like a whole completely different life, and it was like kids and job and wife yeah. and all that shit. Yeah, that that was interesting. And, and you know, that's the, a good example of that is that yeah. that time dilation. But you know, like time is a construct anyway. So exactly. You know, the only way the human brain can understand time is linearly. Yeah, which which also makes it difficult to explain when you get into a mystical state, right? right. Because you, you can't describe it from beginning to end. And and so how do you, you put those pieces together? And and to go back to to an earlier topic of, of kind of creating this illusion around your reality, this is true when I think when people try to recall a, a particular psychedelic experience. Because you know, when you're, I'll give you an example. So the first time I did mushrooms, I was like 19, right? Mm. And, and I didn't take a whole lot. And I, I remember sitting on a stoop, we're in downtown New York, and looking across the street, and everything seemed fine, right? right? And all of a sudden, I was looking at a car, and it was like an accordion, okay, so it's <laughs> going back and forth, back and forth. But everything else was perfectly normal, right? Like nothing else was right. different. Yeah. It was just this one car. Okay. When when people talk about their, their, their psychedelic experiences, their mushroom experiences, they describe like all this like globs floating up in space and like, you know, the ground becoming waves and, you know, trees start moving and coming to life. And I've never, I've never had an experience like that. And, and I've tried a lot of different substances, right? So you mentioned salvia. I've never done salvia. Uh, there's, You're there's not a missing couple of things. <laughs> I, Listen, it depends who you ask, because I've been in, in contact with somebody who loves salvia. Uh, this person does salvia multiple times a week. Oh, Lord. And it, it seems to me like an, a substance that I wouldn't want to experience. Same with, say, the, um, what's the other one that's similar? Doterra? Uh, oh, yeah, Doterra yeah. kind of freaks me out, you know? Yeah. It's, it's one of those things you. where, yeah, we're, we're dissolving into this hallucination. It's just complete right yeah. where there's when you're in that situation you feel like there is no outside reality whereas you know as i was saying before how do you know if you're in a dream if you're in a dream you kind of maybe know especially if you try to do a little bit of uh, like lucid dreaming work and and things like that right but to be in that state kind of worries me a little bit uh you know dmt i would love to do dmt at least one time just to see right just to see what the bus is about let me tell you, if, if that state worries you, perhaps don't do DMT <laughs> because well, it, if you want to completely dissolve your reality, that's the thing to do it with. So, so interesting enough, I, you know, I, I talked about this experience that I've, I've had and I haven't told the full story at any point, but I'll, I'll get into a little bit here because I think it kind of goes with the subject. So 
the, the, the substance, oddly enough, is actually ketamine, which is not something that I generally hear anybody discussing about in terms of the potential for introspection. And, and I think the reason for that is ketamine is, I mean, it's, it's a very scary experience, right? Mm. You, you, you can become completely disassociated from yourself. I mean, it's a disassociated, right? That's the, the category right, exactly. of chemical it is. And so you, you can completely lose a sense of self, which in many respects, when you try to explore your consciousness, I think it's, it's something that you definitely want, right? You want to see what right. you're like without a sense of ego. Yeah. At least I do. Right with the the type of work that I want to do for myself, is is kind of how can I overcome all the things that I've been raised to be, and and how can I turn those things around and make them new, and so and so I had this experience with ketamine, and and it was a complete reality disillusion, and you know I've heard stories, the stories that the the, the experience that I had sounded to me more like the experience most people have on a substance like right. the Tura or DMT than anything that I've heard about from, from ketamine. And, and I don't know if, if some of that is the set and setting, which hmm. I guess is one of the most important things, right? But I, I undergo like a, a two-day ritual, basically, to prepare myself when I do one of these things. And, and I try to do these rituals like every six to eight weeks, uh, because it really helps me with just a lot of things in general, and it's not it's not always ketamine. Uh, in fact, a lot of times it's uh, it's mushrooms, because I have cubensis that grows in my backyard, actually in the woods behind my house. Lucky that. Uh, so right now I don't have any, so I can't. Right. But uh, you know, season's coming, so uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> but but this ketamine experience was just it was so crazy. Right, the first the first moment of it, I. I had a complete anxiety attack Wow! because I was laying in bed and all of a sudden I felt like my eyeballs just kind of pulled back from my head. Mm -hmm. And just like, I felt the sense of self just like in the back of my head instead of in the front of my face where I normally see it. And, and I was like, what the hell's going on? And I, my body wasn't moving, but I could look around the room and I could look, you know, through my bed. I could look behind me. And my body's not moving. Right. And I'm telling you, that was the the scariest experience that I've ever had. Until I realized, like, wait a second, I'm I'm just having this psychedelic state. Like it's fine, right? I don't need to be freaking out. And and once I got over that is when I started going really, really deep. And and the things that I saw, like I I'm telling you, I feel like I had to have been having some kind of lucid dream just simply because of the fact that that experience I've never heard anybody have in a ketamine state until very recently. Right. Um, so I was reading about uh, John C. Lilly. I don't know if you're familiar with, oh, with very, John C. Lilly. Um, he's a very fascinating guy. Oh yeah. Very fascinating guy. And, and oddly enough, the experience that I had is somewhat in relation to the whole concept of uh, what is it, echo and the SSEs, mm. the this like competing entities, competing cosmic entities, right. and and I I had that in my hallucination, 
And once I learned that, I just I was like, I have to I have to know all about this guy because this is the only person I've ever found that had the experience that I had. Right. And uh, but it was scary, man. You you have to be very careful a lot of times. Uh, you know, growing up, I I smoke weed. I mean, everybody smokes weed, right? Right. And you try a few different things. Sometimes you get addicted. Sometimes you don't. And for me, it was just always about having fun. And I feel now that I'm getting to be an old man, it's kind of like, ah, I need to go back and try these things. Uh, not so much as a medicine, because I don't, I, don't, I don't generally like when people use the term of psychedelics as medicine. I, I get why it's used. I, I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm a pretty big proponent of the, the term plant medicine because there are so many benefits to like natural psychedelics. For, you know, mm-hmm. like they're doing the clinical trials, you know, with so many things right now, uh, psilocybin, you know, um, MDMA, which people, uh, people like to make the argument that, oh, MDMA is not a, a naturally, you know, occurring plant medicine. It's like, well, you can't really make MDMA without sassafras. <laughs> so it kind of is. <laughs> I mean, you can synthesize it without it, but, you know, you can synthesize, synthesize anything without it. You can make DMT without mimosa hostilis, but. Yeah, I never. I never liked the argument. Uh, when I was when I was smoking weed a lot, uh, you know, in my high school and college days, I had that same thing. We're like, I'll only do, uh, I'll smoke weed or I'll do mushrooms, but you know, anything else beyond that, I don't want to touch it. Right. And and now I, I there are substances that I would not touch, but to me, there's there's no difference, right? Because if if we're creating and we're part of nature, then by extension, they're just natural substances. Right, they don't just come out of the ether. You have to have yeah. some some chemicals somewhere well, to to make them happen. That goes with anything. I mean, people, I love when people are like, "Oh, it's not natural." It's like, oh, "Fucking everything's natural, man." It didn't come from nowhere. Like, it has <laughs> to have a source. Like, yeah. we made it out of something, and it had to be a natural source. We didn't just pull it from the ether. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, before there was DNA, could could you say that like DNA is artificial? I mean, some people say that, right? Right. That DNA is created by some entity or whatever. Who knows? But before. Let's just assume these things just combined in nature by themselves, right? Before that was the case, does that mean that life is artificial because that it didn't exist beforehand? Exactly. I mean, that's kind of a silly argument to me. So, uh, to me, everything's natural. Just it's a matter of whether you want to partake or not. And I think I think sometimes the argument of natural versus artificial is more of it feels like it's okay to for you to smoke a joint or maybe eat some mushrooms, but you know, if you get it a hold of like a methamphetamine or something like that, not so much. Right. Right. The, the outcome is a little bit different when you, when you start thinking of these artificial combinations of chemicals. Well, you know, I've got a different kind of an interesting perspective on it. Cause I was, a, honestly, I was like a drug addict for like six years. I was addicted to heroin and I was doing whatever I could get my hands on at the time. I was in a pretty bad place in my life and just things kind of spiraled and got out of control. And I kind of let my feelings get, you know, anyway, the point is I kind of got out of hand for a little bit and I I didn't really have a good grip on things for a little while. So I was into everything at one point, but going through recovery and being clean now, it really kind of made me look at it. Like you have to look at everything from a purely scientific standpoint. Like Mm. I don't think there's any bad drugs. I think if it's beneficial to you without causing you harm, yeah. then then go for it. But I think once you start delving into some of those substances, which are more addictive, like methamphetamine or heroin, and they can have a negative impact on your life, 
then you should probably stay away from those things. So you mm -hmm. have to look at it in the sense of, okay, if I do this, and this, this doesn't just limit itself to drugs, this is anything in life. I, I try to weigh everything from that purely scientific standpoint of, will this benefit me or will it cause me or others harm? If it will cause me or others harm, it's probably not a good decision. Mm -hmm. If it will benefit me, it's probably going to be okay. If it's going to further me or other people and whatever and cause no one harm, go for it. If it's going to fuck my life up in some way, I probably shouldn't do that, you know? And that comes back to the right. mindfulness. But I don't think there's any bad substances. I don't think drugs are inherently bad. I think that, you know, I think, do you, have you watched the Midnight Gospel yet with, from Duncan? Yeah, I love that show. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's great. But, you know, like uh, Dr. Drew said, there's no bad drugs. There's just circumstances. And you can let anything right. get out of control. I mean, that's true of anything, right? Not necessarily just substances, exactly. but any situation you get yourself into, the situation itself, it has no good or evil in it, right? We just put those things onto the situation or the substance or the person or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, it, it, this is a, a tough conversation to have with, with my wife, for example, because, you know, to her, good and evil is very obvious. Right. And to me, it's, it's not as obvious. It's, it's a lot more gray, I guess. Uh, you know, you can go anywhere in the world and what you find to be good, they might think is evil, right? Exactly. Like if you're a Christian, a Muslim might think you're evil, right? If you're a, a Buddhist, a, a Taoist might think you're evil, whatever it is. Um, but, you know, she's like, well, what about, say, pedophiles, for example, because that's a hot topic in the news. I mean, I, well, I mean, yes, there is some some ultimate thing where you should not be hurting kids, right? And that's the difference. Right. These people hurt children. Does that inherently make the person bad? No, they're they're doing things that is hurting other people, and that inherently makes it bad. Right. Um, at the same, yeah, the whole thing with drugs is is interesting because people do die from drugs, right? But the thing is, Absolutely. do they die? because they abuse the drugs or because they don't understand what it is that they're doing. And, and I think that is a big part of the problem in, in why people end up getting addicted to substances, for example, uh, because they don't understand how it's going to affect them. Right. right? So you, you pulled yourself out of a situation and now you understand that were you to know what you know now, you might've been in a different situation back then. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a big thing. It's like, uh, I talk about this a lot is uh, a lot. Most of the time when people make, bad decisions, you know, in any facet, it's because it's, they just don't know any better at the time. They haven't had the experience. Right. They just don't know. It's, you know, like, uh, say heroin, for example, I thought, you know, that I would be the one person that could fucking do heroin and be like, Oh, I'm not going to get addicted. <laughs> Obviously <laughs> I was an idiot in thinking that at the time, but I was going through a lot of shit and I justified it and I did it. And, but here we are. I wouldn't probably wouldn't be doing this podcast. In fact, I know I wouldn't be doing this podcast if I didn't go through what I went through. So there you go. That's the only way for you to know. And you, you have to have that experience in order for you to figure that out yourself. Right. So I've been talking a lot about authority on my podcast lately because, you know, ultimately that's what it comes down to. Yep. Are you able to take responsibility for all your actions or not? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and, and that if, was a really good episode, by the way. I actually just got you. finished listening to that before we uh, started this. And uh, you brought up some really good points in that one too. Uh, I really like when you're the, the Graham Hancock quote that you played, yes, the be yes, your own leader. Yes your yes. own guide that yep. resonates so much with me because so many people rely on authority to just tell them how to live their life because they don't want to take 
control of their life. They don't want to take the responsibility of their own life. Yeah. That, uh, that kind of goes with what we're just talking about, about substance abuse, right? Mm-hmm. If you, if you have something that you can't handle within your own life, it's very easy to go and find a substance or, or, I mean, you can become addicted to anything. You could become addicted to, to a politician, right? Well, that's the easiest thing to do. The easiest, easiest thing to do is to try to just mask it, just throw something over the top of it, try to dull it down when the, the absolute best thing to do is just sit with it. Just sit with it. You, if, if you, it's so hard to be mindful though, you know, it really is, man, <laughs> because you, you always want to act. You always want to be moving and, and it's so counterintuitive that the best way for you to move forward is for you to not move at all. Right. And to sit there with that thought mm-hmm. and, and understand why it is that you're having this idea. Um, you know, some of the best ideas come from you not thinking, right. I've had this many a time at work. Uh, so for most of my adult life, I've, I've managed teams of people and, and it's, it's one of those things where it's high pressure, right? And mm-hmm. you're, you always have to be in the move. You're always making decisions and, and you don't have the time to think. You, you're always multitasking. And, and I just came to a point in my life where I said to myself, like, I, I just can't do this this way anymore. Yeah. You know, I, I have to do things one step at a time and, and enjoy the things that I do as I do them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was, I, I, I was talking to uh, to Sean Cahill just a little bit. I don't know if you're m- familiar with Sean. Um, he he just posted a video on his YouTube about spoon making, okay. and and it was so interesting because he he was uh, one of the people that was involved in the uh, the Tic Tac UFO incident. Okay? okay, and he's got a fantastic YouTube channel. He's he's a very mindful guy. I've checked out. One one of the things that I've started doing recently is I started carving my own bow. Oh, that's I've awesome. never been into, uh, I'm, I'm not a hunter or anything like I was, that. I was about to say, did but, you have any prior interest in archery or did it just, no, not just, at all. Not okay. at all. For, for years, I started thinking about getting into archery just as a, a meditative practice. Mm-hmm. And, and finally for Christmas, my wife got me a certificate. We have a place near us that uh, has lessons. Okay. And so I went to take a lesson and I was like, this is awesome. And so as a result, I've decided to carve my own bow. Okay. And, and it's been a very interesting process. I've been working on it for like three weeks, nowhere near close to completing it because I'm <laughs> basically using like files and, and small hand yeah, tools. Yeah, you're using hand tools. Yeah, but it's, it's such a gratifying process that I hope is even more gratifying when I finish. But it's, it's such a gratifying process to, to create something from just a piece of wood into this useful tool. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's something that I, I hope I can take into other aspects of my life as well. All right. So my wife, poor thing, she's such a sweetheart. I, I was laughing when, when Dick was telling the story about uh, something like if he, if he looks like he's going to die, he's fine. He's like, like the, uh, the worse it, I look, the better I feel. Yeah, there you go. That's what it was. The worse I look, the better I feel. I, I was laughing because that that's like, my relationship with my wife on a daily basis. She is, she's such a sweet angel for, for putting up with me. Oh man, because... my too, for sure. <laughs> she is a you know, saint. I, I, I dive like really deep into this stuff. You know, we, we take dogs for walks and I do mindful walking. Right. Mm. And, and she knows like at least half of the walk, she probably shouldn't talk to me right. because I'm focusing on like how I take the steps and how I'm doing this. And it just really helps 
center me just overall. And I, I don't know if it's, you know, you could say it's maybe a, an addiction where I've become addicted to figuring out how to be most mindful. It's but not, somehow not I feel like there. that's okay, right? Because it, I'm not hurting myself, hopefully. And, uh, and we'll see how it goes. But yeah, she, she's a sweet angel for putting up with me. Uh, I, it's, it's so tough trying to share some experiences with her, right? Mm-hmm. Like I was telling DJ on that last episode, you know, it's one thing like if you, if you can't tell your wife like, oh, you know, I, I ran into the mailbox, right? Right. But when, how do you explain to her that you see this crazy entity out in space, right? Like stay, the, oh, this yeah, alien yeah. fetus thing, right? Yeah, I, I yeah, share yeah. the alien fetus story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. How, how, do you, how do you tell your wife that you saw this giant alien fetus in space, right? Well, yeah, you, you're both you floating there that? and you stare at each other. <laughs> and, and fortunately, she hasn't had me committed yet. But, but it's, it's one of those things where it's important to share. The more you feel uncomfortable, the more it's important to share. Right. Right? It's a... Uh, you know, I, I told DJ he's got to have a hard time meditating. So that means you need to spend more time meditating. Oh, absolutely. If you're having a hard time doing something or if you're like reticent to do something, then it's probably the exact thing you need to do. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, but, it, but it's tough because then you have to be tough. responsible for your actions. And, and we hate doing that. So. Yeah. Like, like I was just I saying, people, people hate taking responsibility for their own shit. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But uh, we'll see, man. Maybe. All I know is I'm I'm having a fun time doing the podcast. And uh, how long have you been doing the podcast now, dude? I just I, it, what, what am I on episode twelve? I think so. Oh, so uh, not very like, long. We're like right in the same kind of. Yeah, thing. I think yeah. we started about the same. So you may have started just a little bit before I did. I started mine at the beginning of May. I've been planning it for like a year or so, and but just hadn't really got all my ducks in a row to to get everything together. It but yeah. It might have been roughly the same time. The, the thing is, I do sometimes I, I go crazy and I'll do like two or three episodes a week. Yeah, I, I did that at, like at, the, at first, and uh, I've kind of broke out of that. I think I, it's, it goes back to that whole multitasking thing. Like, I don't want to get too ahead of myself because I want to, I want each episode to be as good as I can possibly make it. So, mm-hmm. I've really been trying to take a little more time with it and do a little more research. And, you know, I kind of jumped the gun for a little bit. I was, you know, that, that, kid at Christmas kind of like, Oh, I got my podcast going. And yeah. Yeah. But then, you know, then I was like, all right, we need to like pump the brakes a little bit and just kind of slow down. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is if you're well and the, the difference is on your show, you always have a guest, right? So that I think that automatically makes it, it, it gives you a limitation as to what schedule you can follow. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I'm doing this for the most part on my own. So if, if I feel like talking one night, I'll just talk. Uh, I do feel kind of bad right now because the, the last three episodes I put out were over an hour long a piece. Uh, I think the last one was two and a half hours long. Yeah. So I think uh, on the next one, I'll just do like a, a 10 minute episode to kind of balance it out a little bit. Yeah. I, I try to but, keep mine uh, like right around an hour, you know, hour and a half or so. I don't want to make it too yeah. much because I don't want people to lose interest. You know what I mean? And I think if it goes on and, on and on and on, people are like, oh, okay, well, I've heard enough of this shit turn it off. Yeah. You know? yeah. But you know, exactly. I don't, I don't want to make it too short either because then I feel like I'm, I'm shortchanging myself. And like I said, you know, or like you said, uh, I have, I always have a guest pretty much mm-hmm. so far. I've always had a guest. I may do some solo kind of stuff in the future. I'm not sure. I've thought about it. Um, I've kind of been kicking the idea around. I 
I don't know if anybody wants to listen to me drone on about bullshit for an hour, but we'll hey, see. Why not? They might. <laughs> they can skip that episode I, if I they would. don't like it. <laughs> if they don't like it, they can skip it. <laughs> they can no, go no, listen. no. If they don't like that, they can go listen to The Alchemical Mind. Yeah, there you go. See, my, my thing is I just I want to do something for myself where I can figure some of these ideas out out loud, right? right. Uh, exactly. when, when I first started doing the show, so I used to do like outlines. I, I wrote like full trans transcripts of the episodes and like it was fine, but I found that it wasn't fun. Right. And, right. and listening back, I knew it couldn't be fun for somebody listening because it sounds very robotic when you just have a full script. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I think now that I've kind of found what it is that I want to do and uh, it, it might work a little bit better. We'll, we'll see how it goes. You never know. Yeah. I've noticed man. you know, and I'm still, kind of working on that myself. It kind of, it, it takes a little bit to kind of fall into your groove and, you know, kind of fall into who you are because this has been a, just a learning experience for me just over the past couple months that I've been doing it. And then, you know, I don't, I don't know about you, but I get a little bit more comfortable with every episode. Things kind of yeah, seem sure. to flow, flow a little bit better. And, but yeah, I don't script anything. I, I pretty much just kind of stream of consciousness, the whole thing and try to just be an active participant in the conversation. That's one of the things I love about having guests is I, you know, get to bounce off of other people. So I don't just have to, I don't feel the need to have to have a script because yeah, I don't need my, I don't have to carry it by myself. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. I, I love your show actually. I, Thanks, I'm glad that you reached out because uh, I do listen. And it was so funny. I had just listened to your, uh, your Dick Khan episode when you reached out. So uh, it was a, a good timing, I guess. Oh, awesome. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what are your, what are your plans for the future with the show, man? Are you going to keep trucking, keep doing the same thing? And look, we, we've been talking about mindfulness, Justin. So just being uh, in the moment. Be, you should be knowing that. Uh, just I'm being not in playing. the moment, just doing yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, look, here's the thing. I, I have ideas of what I want the show to be and where I want it to go. Right. Right. But but I'm not pushing any of those things, right? Oh, I mean, be- I would love to have a, a million people listen, right? And and for me to do them every day. Yeah, you would be a, f- a fool to try to, to have any expectations whatsoever. As we both know, expectations are the root of heartache, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, as much as I would like that, I have no expectation of it. I I don't even plan what the next show is going to be, right? right. So I, I constantly have ideas. And if I have something that pops into my head, I'll write it down. But, uh, but I don't know what I'm going to talk about on a particular episode until I sit down and talk about it. Right on. Yeah. Uh, me, me neither. I just, my mind just works better that way. Yeah, exactly. I, that's why I said just kind of stream of consciousness and just kind of let my mind go where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I do plan on having guests. I'm going to have a couple of guests coming up soon and, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. I just want to see what people find interesting and, and talk about what I find interesting right. because I think ultimately that's, that kind of is what gets people to listen, right? It's not. I mean, yes, production value is nice, and you know, having name guests is, is great too. Yeah. But uh, but ultimately, it's about having a passion for for what it is that you're discussing, and and I love what I talk about. You oh know? yeah. Uh, the, Same here. The fact that I can talk about three hours on you know taking back your authority is just crazy to me, because <laughs> I was like, how do I do this, right? And it's not until I sit down and do it that I know exactly how I'm going to do it. No, the, yeah, the, the answer is to just do it. Dude, just, just let the universe work for you, you know? Instead of trying to go up the river, you just uh, sit back on your float and, and float downstream and, and see what the river takes you. I think that's the most important yeah. lesson. So, it, yeah, it's been fun, man. It's been fun. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's one thing I, I love about doing the podcast, too, is just I can talk about whatever the hell I want to talk about, you know? That's why I reach out to, like, 
the people I want to reach out to, you know, like Dick. I, I yeah, just, I, Dick's great. I man. thought he was a super. I've been following him on on Twitter for a long time, and I just I had to get him on the show. I was like, he's gonna be an amazing guest, and he was. He was fucking hilarious. Honestly, yeah, Dick's great. I'll, super cool I'll, guy. Uh, I'll send you a few people you should talk to as well. Um, Excellent. You know, what what I find cool too is you know your show. You, you basically focus on. I mean, I would say you focus on the psychedelic realm. I mean, it's it's it has for the past few episodes, yeah. it's kind of been psychedelic related. It's really more just about like the initial idea was it, it being about recovery, yeah, and life, and and you know, psychedelic. They are using psychedelics in addiction recovery, so mm-hmm. that's kind of where that plays in. And I've always been a huge fan of psychedelics. They've always benefited me in the past, not not for any like ha ha fun times. That was when I was yeah, younger, sure. but you know, as I've gotten older, it's been more for like the you know, the, the actual benefits of it, not to go have a good time on the weekend. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's because trust me, the, the doses that I was taking for a while were not fun time on the weekend. <laughs> doses. You know what I'm no, trust me. I know exactly what you mean, man. Uh, it was <laughs> such a weird experience. Uh, one time I, 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 I can't remember what it was. I think it was mushrooms actually. And for some reason I was like, I'm going to watch, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, uh, the Phoenix tapes. No. It's uh it's like a found footage retelling of the uh the Phoenix UFO incident from I think the mid or late nineties. And and I started watching this movie, all of a sudden I'm in the zone. And I'm telling you, man, I, I watched this movie four times <laughs> in an hour and a half. Okay. Cause I would get to a scene, I'm like, I, I just I've seen this three times already. Right. And I could tell like the next scene. Anyways, that besides the point uh no i just i, I want to mention i love your show and, and what i find interesting is the the amount of people that are becoming so open to discussing this kind of thing the, the, right. these kind of topics right uh you know for, for the you know in the 60s and 70s well i guess stop in the 60s everyone talked about it everyone was doing something right, right? lsd for the most part and then all that stuff got cut off and it just kind of went underground for a while and and the resurgence of interest in using some of these chemicals and substances to improve mental states of all of all sorts, mm-hmm. you know, PTSD and depression, uh, curing addiction, all kinds of things, mm-hmm. is 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 really interesting that it's coming back to the forefront. And I, I hope that it can continue, and 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 not just be limited to particular cities or states, right. but become a federal thing. Yeah, I think that by by opening up the dialogue about it and like openly talking about it, it it kind of helps to normalize it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like just like happened with marijuana. It, mm-hmm. You know, it was illegal. It's still federally illegal, obviously, but sure. it was a, it, blanket illegal pretty much everywhere in the United States and abroad for however many years. We're not going to get into semantics on that because I don't feel like doing the math, but. <laughs> You know, it was illegal, and then, but it, it slowly worked its way back into the culture, and then, and then it became normalized. You know, it's in movies, and then people talk about it, and they're kind of open about it, and they're like, and it's not a big deal because it's been normalized. Mm-hmm. You know, like the worst drug you can do is alcohol, and it's fucking everywhere. You know, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I uh, matter of fact, I tweeted, I, I tagged you in it today because I, I saw the uh, the chart that you were talking about uh, oh, the, uh, on, on the last episode. The nut harm index. Yes, the harm index. Uh, I mean. Obviously, it shouldn't surprise anybody that a lot of the most harmful things are legal substances, uh, because ultimately, a lot of it's about money, right? And up until now, there's been no money in mushrooms, for example. Right. Uh, obviously, that'll change. 
as as it started becoming legalized. But uh, you know, go, going back to this this topic of uh, regaining your, your authority and, and all that, uh, I think the problem is a lot of times you have this this stigma of if you do drugs, you're just a bad person, or right. there's something inherently wrong with you, and that's why you're doing drugs. Well, and and if we treat people not as criminals just by wanting to experiment on themselves or find a way to improve themselves, uh, I think ultimately a lot of these problems kind of end up going away, right? right. Um, think about like, I don't think it's the methadone, it's the Ibogaine clinics, I think, in Canada, where they just kind of like give people a, a safe place to do drugs. Hmm. Uh, those people don't end up killing themselves or, you know, get hurt out on the street or whatever because they have a safe place to do them. Right. And yeah, when you when you I think when you normalize it like that, and you know we we take the stigma away from it, then you start getting into more of that harm reduction aspect of it. It's mm-hmm. like when you give people a safe place to to do whatever they're doing, you you do take away a lot of the risk, mm-hmm. you know. And but it it goes back to sociological conditioning, you know. That's yeah. People are you know it's ingrained. I'm sure you're what thirty eight, thirty nine. 38. Yep. Yeah, me too. I'm about to turn 39 in like two weeks. <laughs> so, but you know, I, I'm sure when you were growing up, you had dare in your class and they came in and they were like, yes. Oh, this will make your feet fall off and your eyes cross and your hair fall out. And you don't want to ever yep. do it. Like, and, just, and then you grow up yep. and you, you know, you actually get a little experience with these substances. You're like, they were full of shit. They're just feeding me a bunch of bullshit. Look, I, I, I remember our fourth grade play was it was called the smoke free class of 2000 oh lovely okay and it was all about not smoking weed and not smoking cigarettes <laughs> that worked out very well for me uh I, i've cut out my smoking a lot but i mean i i instantly quit drinking right when i had this like crazy experience it was just like i don't want to drink anymore i'm done yeah and i haven't drank in over a year now and uh still working the smoking you know, that's that's more of yeah, a yeah man me too i have a, a I'm, mindful I'm, habit I'm, kind of thing i'm three days without a cigarette right now but uh that's good i'm, I'm no, that's off, i've been on the vape my, my my girlfriend hates it she doesn't smoke <laughs> and she's like i fucking hate when you smoke i'm like i know i don't yeah. like it either it's it's killing me slowly and it smells like shit let's be honest once you stop smoking and you uh, yeah. get around somebody that's been smoking you're like god damn i can't believe is that how i smell and you're like, yep I, i've been trying to create some kind of habit where i can just replace that with this new habit. Uh, but at the same time, I, I don't want to do it that way. You know what I mean? Right. I, uh, I feel like when, when I know that this is wrong, this is exactly at the point where I'm just going to quit doing it. Uh, until then I'll, I'll do my best. Right. See what, what, uh, what really helped me like, cause I quit last year for like a few months and then had a really shitty day at work and let it get to me and bummed a cigarette off of somebody yeah. and started right back up. But mm-hmm. the way I did it then is, you know, I just did a lot of reading on it and the craving, you know, pretty much with anything except for like probably heroin or something like that. <laughs> something that you're like viscerally addicted, but the craving only lasts like 20 seconds. Right. So if you can find something to preoccupy your mind for those 20 seconds, you know, what you were talking about, you don't want to find something to replace it with. But mm-hmm. I would like, so I would, every time I thought about wanting to smoke a cigarette, I would just like do like 50 push ups, or I would go for a walk or I would do something that was healthy, you know, something completely opposite spectrum. That was yeah. as bad as cigarettes are for you. I would do something that would be good for me. So I would, you know, like I said, go for a walk or I would do push-ups, or I would do something, whatever it was just to, to take up that time, that 20 second period. And by the time the, you know, I got done doing whatever I was doing, going for a walk or push-ups or whatever it was, I 
wasn't thinking about smoking anymore. And that worked for me for a while until I was not mindful one day and lit up a cigarette, <laughs> continue to smoke, for, so, continue to smoke for about another year after that. So. Uh, look, every, I, I think every, every smoker has that, right? Where you, where you go through periods where you don't smoke and then you get back, something happens and you get back, yep. right? That's your fallback. Yep. And, uh, you know, what I, what I found works for me pretty well lately, and again, it's not 100% because, uh, you know, nobody can be 100% mindful 100% of the time, but uh, just just having a rubber band on my wrist has, has worked out pretty well, mm. where if I feel like I need to have a cigarette, I'll, I'll slap the rubber band on my wrist. Okay. And it's, it's just uncomfortable enough where I'm like, okay, yeah. I remember this is not something I want to do. It's like a Pavlovian right? response. Like, oh. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. And I mean, you said it earlier, right? <laughs> Ultimately, we are animals and we do have certain instincts. And, uh, and, and there are ways to break those things. It, yeah, it's just and, behavioral and Pavlovian patterns. is one of them. Yeah. yeah, you change the behavior patterns. So uh, you just got to observe them. You know, you got to be observant of, of what it is that you do. That's mm-hmm. the only way to change it. Yeah, that's it. You just got to actually pay attention and notice that you're doing it and be like, okay, this is the thing I'm doing. Now that I've noticed it, acknowledged it, now I can correct it. Yeah. Well, and I think that becomes hard for people though, because it's so much work to, to always be watching what you're doing, Mm. you know? Oh yeah. And it's, it's constant work Yeah, all the time. But yeah, I, I think after a while, some of those things just, inherently stop and you don't need to watch them anymore right because you remember like oh yeah every time i scratch my face i remember i'm scratching my face so eventually just stop scratching your face right uh, because you know like if your hand comes up you're gonna scratch it okay i'm gonna just put my hand down right uh, and and that's a stupid thing but it's it's something that's worked out pretty well for me find just the stupidest thing that you do all the time <laughs> like scratching your face or <laughs> scratching your butt or whatever you know what right. i mean and uh, yeah, it works. It yeah, works it's, good. it's just developing those uh, good behavioral patterns to replace the old bad ones, basically. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it takes a while, right? It takes, what, like two weeks to, to change a behavioral pattern. Ten days, I think it is. Something like Ten that. to 14 days. Yeah. So you just got to be patient. Yeah, which people have a problem with. I know I, I still get very impatient about things when I know I shouldn't, but I'll catch myself. I'm, I'm a lot better at catching myself on it these days. <laughs> Like my, like uh, for instance, my phone is a complete piece of shit and just barely works and functions. And like, I have to sit there and wait, but like somebody at work, I was, I was out back a few weeks ago, smoking a cigarette, obviously. And somebody was, I was like bitching about my phone and they're like, why don't you just get a new one? I was like, yeah, it teaches me patience. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't even have my phone in here. My, my phone is from um, 2013. Yeah. Uh, the battery lasts like three hours now. Nice, <laughs> but but I refuse to get a new phone for the same exact reason. I know that if I if I get a brand new phone, I'm gonna want to play with all the new goodies. Right? Oh yeah, I'm gonna fall and, right into that. I'm gonna be you're gonna fall right super into addicted because it. it's so easy. Yeah, so I just don't even bother. I don't bother. I don't. I don't have any social apps on my phone uh, because I know if I put them on there, I'll be like, hey, let's see what Twitter has to say, or let me see whatever. Right. But uh, yeah, you just gotta. You just gotta mind your habits, man. That's it, man. For sure. You just gotta mind your habits. It's not a it's not a religious thing, you know what I mean? It's a it's a life thing. Yeah, it's it's that's what I tell people all the time. They're like, uh, you know, what religion are you? I'm like, I don't really follow a religion. I mean, I'm kind of Buddhist, but I don't view that as a religion because there's no you're not worshiping a deity of sorts, you know, it's just it's a it's a path for life. 
you know, mm-hmm. like, which, you know, Christianity as well, but then you've got the Jesus attached to it. So yeah, it becomes a thing. Yeah, well, dude, that's, it's every, it's every religion. It is every religion. And the thing, you know, you we were talking earlier, you know, like saying that, you know, uh, if you're a Muslim, then you might not think Christians are, or you, you, you might think Christians are evil or, and the, the fucking funny thing about it is every religion across the board, even ones that aren't technically religions like Buddhism, they're all, mm-hmm. it's different means to meet the same goal. Everybody's looking for heaven, uh, Valhalla, enlightenment it's all the same thing all the same. But, you know like you said on the the episode with the with the jb or jd it was a uh, the kingdom of heaven lies within you know mm-hmm. so like you can if you want to put it in christian terms like if you want to live in heaven you can choose to live in heaven because heaven is here on earth right or you can choose to live in hell i've done both i choose heaven now because hell sucked <laughs> <laughs> i did it i didn't yeah, li- man. i didn't like it and I, I, I opted out. <laughs> so, so one thing that I've, I haven't touched on, but it's, it goes exactly with that. Um, I don't have any problem with anybody's religious views, right? right. But, but to me, the, the, the most important part of any religion is that like core mystical nugget in the middle, right? Mm-hmm. The, the little nugget that's been hidden by any other authority figure, right? A, a priest or an imam or the Dalai Lama, whoever, right? right? Um, and when you find that little nugget, you do realize that a lot of these things are saying exactly the same thing, just in different terms. And, and what I find really curious is when you get into some of the, uh, some of the mystical aspects, some of the mystical uh, schools, you, especially modern ones like Theosophical Society, for example, mm. you, you start seeing the same cores, even though they consider themselves mystical schools, start becoming this institutionalized religion. Right. And and they lose it, right? Because the the meaning is veiled in a metaphor and people lose the fact that it's simply a metaphor. Yeah. Right. And so when they say like the secret i've used the secret before in the podcast magic is real right right you can you can manifest your reality like yes that is 100 percent true but it doesn't mean that there's some like magical substance permeate, permeating the atmosphere that you can hold in your hand right. and create like a little golem of reality right like that's not what it means right it's just the the state of mind that you have yeah. and you know I, I don't consider myself a buddhist either but like you, I think I relate a lot to Buddhist ideas because I think at its core, it's the most non-religious. Absolutely. Right. And, and in some ways, the, the knowledge that's held there is, is very useful in an everyday life uh, where you don't need to worry about, will I get to heaven or will I go to hell or whatever you believe in. Right. And, and to me, that's more important. Right. Yeah. Uh, I can't control what I, what's going to happen when I die, but I can control what's happening to me right now. Exactly. And and to me, it guides me in that direction. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and the funny, the, another funny thing about religion is basically the guidelines for every religion, religion is essentially just don't be a shithead, you know, yeah. whether, whether it's Christianity, <laughs> Muslim, uh, Buddhism, um, mm-hmm. Dudism, uh, you know, just, uh, the pastafarians yeah whatever you want to pick it's just uh, satanism you know just mm-hmm. don't be a shithead don't 
you know, do anything to intentionally harm others. Yep. And the golden rule. There you right? go. You know, yep. that, that's it. Now, now see when you get into the areas of, you know, like Christianity and Islam, you know, the, it's like, well, don't harm others, but you know, and then there's that, but attached to it because you gotta, you gotta hype your own brand, man. You know, and that's the big thing. And that's the one thing I, I, I love about Buddhism is it's like, look, everybody's a shithead. You just got to try to navigate yes. your way through it. <laughs> yes. You, you do need to be careful. I think usually it comes off more in, in Buddhist sex, yeah. uh, but, but even in, you know, like Tibetan Buddhism or, or uh, Zajan or Dog Chen or any right. of the other ones, uh, you do have this kind of thing where our, our brand of Buddhism is just a little bit better than the one across the river. Right. I think that's just and, human nature. Y- yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but you know, like I said, people, people want to stay in power. When you get a little bit of power, you want to continue having that power. Well, it's just like anything else, like nationalism or anything with, you know, everybody wants to be number one. Like we're the best. Like, well, you, have you ever tried anything else? Do you, do you really know? Have you ever been anywhere else? Have you, have you dabbled in other religions? Do you, do you know if you're the best? There is. And the thing right. is there is no best because everybody's seeking the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's why I don't like, you know, I think there there could be a place for like a government or an institutionalized system within a, a belief system. I, I think where I, I really draw the line is when that imposes on my own conscious existence, if that makes yeah, sense, no, right? It makes so, 100% sense. Uh, I, I don't know if you, uh, if you know uh, Nassim Harriman. But mm. uh, he, he, he posted a, uh, an interesting picture on his Instagram today. Uh, there, were, there were four pictures, and the first one was a circle, right? And it just said, you. And then the second one was a circle and said, me. And then the third one was uh, the two circles joined together, right? Like a Vesica Pisces. Oh, it was a Venn diagram. Uh, yes, and it was us. And then it had a, uh, a flower of life. So all the circles intertwined, yeah. and it said, the world. And, and when you think about things in that direction, uh, I think you end up resolving some of these things yeah. where, you know, you, you impose your own well-being and, and find it higher and more important than the well-being of your neighbor or a complete stranger, mm-hmm. right? a criminal or someone of a different race, whatever it is. Um, and that's why I like the psychedelic experience because it really kind of shows you that everything is fucking one, man. You are like when you, when you get that really big ego death and you, you, you cease, you cease to exist. And what happens when you cease to exist, you merge with the infinite, you merge with the void mm-hmm. and, and you realize that man, everything like you might be making all this shit up in your head. Maybe you are sure. everything. Maybe they're everything. I mean, everybody's just, I look at everybody like it's myself experiencing a different reality. You know what I'm saying? I like it. Like I, that's how I try to treat everyone else. It's like, it, that's myself experiencing life differently than myself, you know, just in another dimension. That's me in another dimension basically, but they're experiencing yeah, yeah, yeah. that themselves, you know, it's all subjective. But you, yeah. But you know, it, it's hard for a lot of people to understand that unless they have personal knowledge of that exact experience. Yeah. You need the empirical data on that one you really have to do it you you i could sit here and tell you about it till i'm blue in the face but until you do it you don't know you know yeah i can try to explain bungee jumping and how fun bungee jumping is. i've never been bungee jumping but i could try to tell you how amazing it is and how <laughs> wonderful it is and had so much fun and it's just the most exhilarating thing ever but it, you'll never really know i could sit here and talk about it because language fails the experience 
Mm-hmm. And and I can experience it differently, right? Maybe I have exactly. a higher tolerance for danger, so I could just jump off the building and be like, "Yeah, that was all right." Right. I don't know what Justin was talking about. Yeah. Uh, I would never do that again. Yeah, yeah. That that happens with psychedelics a lot. Um, yeah. I, I mentioned that. Uh, never mind. I won't talk about that because that's not necessarily <laughs> uh, a, a psychedelic experience. But there were, there was an experience I had with a particular substance that I just found not enjoyable at all. Right. And and I didn't have the effect that was expected, yeah. and uh, and as a result, I just never touched it again. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. Go going into a a, a psychedelic state is is very interesting. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if you uh, had a chance to listen to the last episode I did with uh, Greg Lake. He just wrote that. Yep. Uh, yeah. Okay. We were talking about um, like the difference between a, like a mild dose and a full on psychedelic, you know, cause a lot of, and Terrence McKenna talked about this. He's like, you know, you've until you do like five dried grams, which is that 25 to 30 milligram psilocybin dose until you do that, you know, you can take these, I think, I think it, this is a pretty much an exact quote. He said, you know, people take little piss ant doses and yeah. when, and think that they're initiated, but you're not even in the, the atrium, you're in the driveway, you know, like mm-hmm. you have to, really dig deep yeah who when uh oh god what's his name hamilton um hamilton morris hamilton morris yes when when he was on joe rogan he he gave a similar example uh something about you know when people microdose they'll do like you know a gram or two grams or whatever of uh of mushrooms and they're like well you know i don't feel any different it's not gonna rewire your brain yeah of course you're you're doing a microdose number one and it's not an instant thing right you it's it's a situation where you have to continue to do it over a specific period of time. Right. If if you if you want to have the experience where you're like, well, you know, fuck, like this, I, I this get is it. it, right? Yeah, like I get, I it. get it now. Yeah. Uh, doing that little microdose is not going to do anything. No, you've right? been, you've got to you've got to get in there. You've got to do the work. <laughs> you you got to do the work, man. And the thing is, it's so so hard to do the work. And we touched um, on that on the last on that uh, episode with Greg too. Is like the act of doing it alone, just taking that leap and doing that big macro dose. It can be therapeutic in itself because you're overcoming that that huge fear that you have of of doing it. Because a lot of people mm-hmm. are, you know, they'll take two or you know two or three grams of mushrooms or something, and they're like, "Oh man, that was crazy." And I'm like, well, "Okay, now now do five. Right. And the thing is, if you if you do a heroic dose, it it's not going to kill you. No, not right? at all. You might you might feel like you're dying. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna die in somewhere. <laughs> the old you's for sure gonna die. <laughs> but but the the chemical itself will have no effect on you that will cause you to die. Uh, um, like you said, that's you, why you saw the, the the nut harm index. Psilocybin, safest thing you sure. can do. Safer than safest thing. Marijuana, safer than anything. Yeah, the LD fifty on it is so high anyway. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And the same thing with DMT. I think the LD fifty on DMT is sixty five to hundred milligrams per kilogram of body weight, mm-hmm. and a breakthrough dose is thirty five to fifty milligrams. So, like, good fucking luck, man. <laughs> like if, I thought about that when you know, like when you had Dick on, for example, uh, because I ha- I have considered doing my own extraction, right? Uh, and it's not a terribly difficult process. My concern is more about you know ordering like a, a ten pound sack of mimosa right. from Amazon and then the FDA show up at my house, right? right? Uh, that's my concern. But I mean, you can get it very easily online, 
And uh, but listening to Dick, I'm like, at first I was like, man, this guy is just trying DMT on himself. I mean, obviously he's doing research. He, he's writing a book on it, so yeah. he's he's a knowledgeable guy. But then you're right. I thought to myself, well, what what could the LD50 on this thing is? And then I looked it up, and I was like, yeah, like there's no way. You know what I mean? Yeah, it would be absolutely impossible. Yeah, you would have yeah, to have impossible. like, uh, like you would have to have like a just the biggest bowl and like a, just a leaf blower just pumping it straight. <laughs> you know, I mean, like it would be impossible. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that was the same thing when when I used to smoke a lot of weed. Is one of the things that we talked about all the time, because in order to like get really bad off of smoking weed, mm. I mean, you'd have to smoke like this entire room full of weed yeah, in like sure. thirty seconds, yeah. right? And, and that's impossible. Uh, you have to you have to burn it all and then inject it into your blood all at the same time. Impossible. Never happens. It reminds me of this. When I was like 15, I'm at this old hippie guy. He was like, y'all kids smoke weed all wrong. The trick is you got to smoke a bunch of it real fast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I mean, that's true of anything there, right? When, when Native Americans used to smoke tobacco, I mean, tobacco is a hallucinogen. No, for sure. If you smoke it the correct way. Yeah. Uh, But let me tell you, you don't want to get a, a nose pipe and smoke tobacco through your nose it's it is the most enjoyable horrendous experience yeah, it's entirely unenjoyable yeah uh but i mean the high is interesting yeah but i wouldn't recommend it yeah interesting right yeah interesting <laughs> there, there's better ways to do it. it's the same thing you know if you if you drink alcohol uh you know I, we said alcohol is the probably the worst thing you could do to, uh, to get messed up and yet it's the most accepted right yeah uh think about like how much alcohol you have to consume to get drunk Right, and even if it only takes you a couple of shots of something, the the number of molecules in that thing, right, compared to something like cannabis or psilocybin yeah. or DMT, is enormous. Yeah, it's enormous. Yeah, it's a completely different animal. And then you have terrible side effects. So, oh, for sure, the, yeah. the worst side effects. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why I'm, I'm glad I quit drinking. Yeah, man, I just quit drinking again recently. I, I got to that point where I was like, oh, I, th- I think I can handle having a couple beers every now. Nah, man, I'm I'm a fucking asshole when i get drunk <laughs> <laughs> yeah i uh i mean i was never i wouldn't consider myself an alcoholic but i i definitely love to partake yeah you know? I, I was and, i wasn't uh, an alcoholic in the sense that i didn't wake up and need to have it but i would definitely use yeah. the term problem drinker mm, that was me. yeah where you kind of have half a bottle after a tough day at work or whatever yeah. no no i'm not never half a bottle but like if, rest assured if i had there was like a line, you know, and once you get past that yeah. at a certain point, like something clicks and you're like, and you just, I just, my personality changed, you know, and I just, yeah, I was not myself, you know, I just, I would, I guess a lot of, I have a lot of fucking issues I haven't worked through and all that shit would come out when I drank, you know what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm. and it, it wasn't pretty. Yeah. So I just don't do it anymore. Yeah. I, uh, I used to be a big drink, gin drinker. And, oh, me too. Uh, gin and tonics oh, I- were my favorite. Yeah, gin and tonic. It's man. Yeah, see. Yeah, twist a lot, so, man. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I still have the the last bottle of gin that I bought is still in my freezer. Uh, there's not much left. I mean, there's probably you know enough for a couple shots. Uh, but I just I kept it in there. Uh, the grim reminder. Just to see, <laughs> yeah, well, just to see, yeah. you know, because I I see it every day, yeah. and every day I look at it and I have no interest in, in consuming it. So. Uh, to me, that's kind of a win, regardless yeah. of of whether I overdrink or not. Yeah, especially yeah. having it there, then because I, you know, as somebody who I guess used to enjoy it very much, there is that little bit of temptation and to be able to have it in there and just be like, nah, I don't want it. 
it shows a lot of progress. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think when you can when you can physically confront it and not have the impetus to actually partake, yeah, uh, is when you've kind of succeeded over that thing. You know. Yeah, I would agree. Um, not just booze, but anything. We were talking about a. Uh, Graham Hancock earlier. What do you think about yeah. him and uh, Randall Carlson's proposition about the uh, the younger Dryas cataclysm? All right, so <laughs> I love it, man. I, I I mean, there's so much evidence pointing towards <laughs> that. Like I I'm just so compelled yeah. by by their argument. And even uh even Michael Shermer has uh yeah he's turned around. He's flipped his his script. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so, so my original skeptic. idea for <laughs> professional skeptic, yes, my uh, my original idea for the podcast was actually to do kind of that kind of topic, um, but I decided not to hmm. when uh, when the guy that I talked to about being a co-host kind of dropped out. Uh, he he's a good friend of mine. We've known each other for years, but he's just too busy. And uh, you know, I I've become friends with uh, Mike from the mind escape podcast, for example. And I was like, well, I don't want to do a podcast. That's like these guys. Right. Cause I never listen to these guys. Right. Uh, so I, I decided to go in a different direction on, on mine, but yeah, I, I love it, man. Uh, I've, I've read all of Graham's books, except uh, which one did I not read underworld, but I've read all the other ones. And uh, I, I love underworld was his, uh, that's his the model, one where right? yes, yes. Uh, but I mean, it's like partially based on some archaeological oh, evidence. How could it not be uh, if it's written by Graham Hancock? Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's Graham. And, uh, and Randall's just, Randall is a wealth of knowledge. Man. Oh man, he's, like, he's amazing. Yeah, he's amazing. Uh, I don't know if you listen to Cosmographia, Mm-mm. his podcast. Yeah, you should listen to that. Uh, have to check it out. Uh, he's got a podcast with uh, Brad. That's his, the guy that he works with. And then the, uh, the Brothers of the Serpent, who also have their separate podcast. Right on. And, and they just talk about Younger Dryas. Uh, yeah, I think it's fascinating. I think it's 100% true. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, just so much evidence there, pointing. There's been a ton of evidence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's been a ton of evidence. Uh, even even this year, they're still finding stuff. And yeah, I just watched uh, I just watched the latest video from Uncharted X. I don't know if you subscribe to him. Uh, he he deals with these kind of topics, okay. and he he usually looks at archaeology. Uh, architecture for example and he just did a video on the egyptian labyrinth mm. that's under the pyramids uh really fascinating stuff he he, he just had an episode a couple weeks ago about machu picchu okay. and and the, the way that i bring it up is this if if we've been around as long as archaeological evidence suggests right um there is no way that we have not had advanced civilization in the past. Now, did they have computers or spaceships or anything like that? I don't know, right? There's no, there's no evidence to point to that. Um, well, except maybe like, uh, what's, what's the one at Dendera, the, the hieroglyphs with the, uh, the helicopter? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's... Uh, aside from that, I've, I, there's no evidence, right? And there's no physical evidence. But, I mean, those buildings, we can't build those buildings. Yeah, exactly, we didn't. We struggle to even <laughs> understand how they were built, much less build them. You know, we have no idea how they've, they, they, the fact that they're perfectly aligned, north, south, east, west, you know, the, the sheer size of these buildings, just the sheer size of the stones of these buildings. And that you want us to believe that they rolled these things in on logs from 500 miles away. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, seriously, let's be realistic. That's, mm-hmm. come on, man. Yeah, there's no way. 
Yeah, they had the great. How they were built, I don't know. They had the greatest computers in the world, man. Their minds. So maybe they were functioning at some higher consciousness level, and you know, fucking, who knows? Who knows? That's we just don't know, and that's the fascinating thing about it. Have you read? uh, You said you read all of Graham's books. Have you? Have you read uh, America before? Yeah. No, that was super good. Yep. That's the last one. Yeah, 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 I read that. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, the Americas are interesting, man. I think there's the problem is. There's been what, like 400 feet of sea level rise yeah. since the Jungle Dryas. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at right now the the numbers of people that live within, you know, whatever that ends up being, 400 feet above sea level, uh, um, it's like 60, 70 percent of people. You know what I mean? Most people live on a seaboard of some sort. Oh, absolutely. So if if the seas rise is 400 feet i mean the the where i'm at in south carolina the beach would be right outside my house yeah okay and it would take me right now four hours to drive to the beach so the the amount of sites that are hidden under those waves oh, for sure it's just enormous yeah i'm, I'm in i'm on the gulf, uh, gulf coast of florida man so <laughs> oh see there you go yeah. like you, you guys are already being threatened by sea level rise oh man i could yeah it's it's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's just so much land like, uh, you know, Daga land in, in Northern Europe, that's all under sea. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stuff in the, uh, the Azores, that's all underwater aside from a couple islands. Uh, Southeast Asia, you know, in the drunk, and Dryas, all that was above sea level. Now it's just islands. Yep. So yeah. yes, I think it's all true. Yeah. I mean, me too. And I, and I do wonder, I do wonder if people like homo sapiens built it right that's the thing i don't know right that's the big Whether, question is, was, is yeah, was there a question uh you know an advanced civilization that was wiped out i think that that is that is the well, burning and my, question and and the thing is is it homo sapiens right because maybe it's a uh, denisovans or neanderthals or something else we don't know about yeah, we just don't know <laughs> don't know yeah, I, I love that stuff, man. Yeah, me too, man. Yeah. Oh, well, shit, man. It's been super cool talking to you. We'll have to do this again sometime, man. Keep in Absolutely, touch with man. me. And, uh, anytime. Um, you got anything anything cool coming up or anything you want to want to plug? Or? Uh, well, by the time this comes out, I'll be doing – it's just going to be so weird. I'm doing the most uncomfortable meditation. I'm going to be that doing amazing. a, a one-minute of silence on the podcast. Oh, and, awesome. And uh, I've already tested it out with somebody, and they hated it. So – uh, I can't wait for everybody to hate it. Oh man, that sounds amazing. I was going <laughs> before this whole uh, pandemic thing kicked off, I had uh, made reservations. I was going to do a Vipassana retreat, a 10 day nice. silent retreat. And uh, obviously that fell through because everything going on, mm-hmm. but I'm going to try to do that as soon as possible. I'm very much looking forward to that. I'm just going to see how long I'll last. I'm going to try to do the whole 10 days obviously, but you know, who knows a lot of people, cave pretty quick <laughs> that's what that's what i hear i uh, I, I talked to my wife about me doing one of those and uh, i think now that i'm in between careers mm-hmm. uh, it might be the perfect time for me to do it yeah we'll see why not yeah i said you just got to show up and participate man <laughs> there you go man there you go cool man well hey man let's do it again yeah absolutely anytime One million thanks are in order to Martin Ferretti for being on the show. If you're interested in The Alchemical Mind podcast, it can be found at thealchemicalmind.com. 
Um, Dharma Junkie still does not have a website yet. We're working on it. I'm working on it. Dharma Junkie is me. There's no one else. Um, if you do enjoy the show, either of our shows, if you give us a listen, which I really encourage you to do, please rate, review, and share. Um, just kind of help us build this thing, man. Anyway, thank you for listening so much. This has been Dharma Junkie. I am Justin Otto, and namaste. Namaste.